are at work in my life and each person here. You use us, you speak through us, you work in us. We trust you. We know that you are the one who draws new things out of us, new wine, and you you, you take what is sometimes broken or the pains or the hurts, you take our joys and you make it together to build something that is so beautiful that can honour you. So Lord, we are your people and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak now. We ask that you would be here very present, tugging on the heartstrings, edifying the mind, teaching us how to be more like you. Oh, we love you. We love you, Lord. You're so good. In Jesus' name, amen. You may take a seat. Praise God. And so uh, my name is Pastor Paul. I'm the English campus pastor, for those of you who don't know. Uh, it's so good to be speaking this morning. And we are, I am continuing the third message in First John. Pastor Kyle so brilliantly uh, started us off in the series uh, in 1 John, the first week proclaiming the light from 1 John chapter 1. Uh, light is from God, walk in the light as he is in the light. Second week was the power of the light, the power of the light from 1 John chapter 3, uh, about many things but overcoming sin and condemnation. And this week, this week I'm going to continue uh, in this series in 1 John uh, with a message entitled People of the Light. People of the Light. That's us. We are the people of the light, the church. And when I think about the people of the light, I think about, if I'm thinking about scripture, I'm thinking about in the New Testament, I'd always kind of go to Matthew chapter 5 where there Jesus talks about being salt and light in the world, you know, salt and light. Uh, And he says, you are the light of the world. He's talking to us. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. That's part of the reason why we're switching on some lights outside the church. A town, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. The, The people of God cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And then straight away my mind goes to that song that I would have sung in Sunday school, you know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Yeah, everyone sing. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Yeah, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Yeah, here we go. No, no more. Uh, I love the last verse of that. It says something like, don't let Satan blow it out. And everyone used to go, blow. Uh, Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. And that's what we have to stand up against when the trials are coming to put that light on us and show that we are not going to be uh, we are not going to the, the devil is not going to take away our joy the devil is not going to take away the light because it is the light of God so let's not put it under a bushel as we used to say in the, in the song put it under a bowl we're standing it proud 
bright. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before men. Amen. Thank you, Wade. So today we find ourselves uh, in John chapter, First uh, John, chapter four, starting at verse seven, and this is where the people of like God's people, His beloved, we talk about that they're known by love. Ultimately, God's love through them. Now I'm not sure quite why, but last time I preached, it was in our First Corinthians series, and it was on chapter thirteen. All about love. Today, I'm preaching all about love. So maybe that's my only subject. Love. The love of God. Today, our core truth is that God is love. Amen? God is love. Maybe God is trying to teach me something in this. Maybe God is trying to teach you something as well. What I've been shown quite clearly in this passage and in many other places in the Bible that perhaps a common test or an indicator of the depth and the growth of our personal relationship with God is how we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, each other. It's not even how we love those far from God. That comes a little later as a result and effect of the health of the body of Christ itself. This is a push against that kind of lone ranger, Jesus loves me and I keep it all to myself kind of, Christianity. The simplicity is God is love. He loves perfectly in community of the Trinity between the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit and therefore we know uh, God will, we, we will love God so much in our Christian community and this is the best way. This is the best way that we can demonstrate to our wider community, those that are far from God, uh, what he is like is by the way that we love one another. I can tell you that even as a staff team this week, we've had all manner of difficulty, uh, let alone what's gone on in the congregation this week. Just multiple things. We've all got lives that we are living where there's joy and there's hardship, there's struggle but we come together and we take care of one another, don't we? The people of God. By the end of the week this week, um, I felt really strongly on Friday morning to pull together our staff team and just say, we need to pray. Because in some ways we were all looking quite frazzled. We'd had a difficult week. Many of you would have heard that Pastor Kyle's uh, mother-in-law, uh, Rachel's mum, passed away suddenly on a cruise between Japan and South Korea on Sunday. And that really hit us hard, uh, let alone the family. Uh, Shamila is in Malaysia at the moment. Uh, her mum passed away a month ago. And she's in Malaysia you know, just settling some things and there with family at this time. On Tuesday afternoon, uh, in our English class, a lady uh, had a stroke. And uh, three members of our team, who'd just done the first aid course, came around her and cared for her, and she's still in hospital right now, but she's starting to do better. And we need to pray for her. 
Then Thursday morning, oh, Margaret messages the team. I'm in hospital. Praise the Lord, she's all good. Nothing wrong at all. But the point was, we were all going, what is going on, God? What is going on in our team? Let alone, I've heard of many stories throughout the week. So we, we called an impromptu prayer meeting that we, I knew that as we headed into this week and these couple of weeks, we're, we're, we are going to represent our, uh, our God to our community. We need to be together. We need to be loving one another. We need to be back focused on the Lord. So we had a beautiful time of prayer where we just laid things down. We sung some songs and we lifted him up because that was the body of Christ, let alone us being staff or not, That was the body of Christ coming together and being the people of light that we are called to be. We've got to be there. We've got to be together. We've got to be walking together or else we cannot, cannot represent him the way we are called to be. So let's get into this passage. 1 John chapter 4 and starting at verse 7. Dear friends, Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your word. Ultimately, I thank you that you are love. God is love. Lord, we want to learn from you, but also we want to reflect who you are. We thank you for your presence here this morning. Would you speak to each one of us in Jesus' name? Amen. Now, the way that this passage begins is just so beautiful. It's in the NOV. It says, dear friends, let us love. Dear friends, let us love. And it's referring to believers specifically, friends. And it encourages us to love one another. And in other versions it says, beloved, let us love. Now, beloved is not really the kind of word that most of us use these days. I don't know, I don't walk around to, you know, Pastor Chi every morning I see him and go, oh, beloved. (laughs) Yeah, it just doesn't feel right. But friend... Let us love. Friend, let us love. But essentially that word beloved means those who are loved. So it's kind of straight up saying, so this passage begins by saying, those who are loved, let us love. Those who have experienced the love of God, let us love. Let us love one another. We are not commanded to love one another to earn or become worthy of God's love. We love one another because uh, in the first place we were loved by God. Amen? 
And we have received that love and therefore we live and we walk in the light of that love. And you know, as Pastor Kyle spoke last week uh, so well from uh, 1 John, uh, sorry, two weeks ago from 1 John 1 and in verse 7 it says, if we walk in the light as Jesus or as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. When we walk in the light of Jesus, we have fellowship. That's what flows out of that. Whether it's light or love, if we are in Christ or born of God, we will love. And who knows this morning that they are God's beloved child? Yeah? Who knows? I'm God's beloved child. I am loved by him. Then let us love one another, for that love comes from God. Why is this so important? John insists that there is something that is given to the believer when they are born of God. Uh, a love is imparted to their life that they, ju- they just didn't have before. Christians are not just forgiven, they are born anew in God's spirit. Now we could say uh, love comes from God, which is true, but the Bible teaches that God is himself love. God is not just loving, he is love. God is himself love. Real love has its origin and its essence in God. Amen. Amen. That's truth this morning. Now we see this beautiful picture of God having the very nature of love within the Trinity. You know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, which together is God. It's the most amazing picture of a perfect family. Perfect submission to one another, perfect delight in each other, love communicated and connecting them together as they exist together and they operate together. Let's think about this for a moment. Uh, If our God was a solitary God by himself, yeah, he's not. But if he was a God on his own, a God not in relationship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, then he cannot love because love needs an object. He might learn to love, he may yearn for love, but in himself he could not be loved because it requires an object to project your love towards. So real love requires relationship. And for all eternity past, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit have been in community, in relationship. They have loved each other and this clearly is demonstrated through this loving relationship and they are bound up in the very nature of themselves. They love one another. Now, if the the triune God, the the Trinity, is in himself love and is expressed in the community of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, then it stands to reason that why in John, in verse 7, he says, everyone who is born of God and knows God is born of him, and from him, then our desire will be to love. This community of the body of believers, the church, that's us, is born into this, is born into this dance of the Trinity as they move together and the church looks like the Trinity. And it starts to function as this central body that moves around And we become a body where all God's grace and his forgiveness and his love are all revealed and infinitely enjoyed together. That's why we can't do this life alone in God. 
Because we actually express everything of who he is when we operate in community of the church. This should be our expression in the local church where we have relationship with one another. But it's also more generally expressed in the wider church that goes way beyond, the worldwide church that goes way beyond just our little church here. God is love and he is the realest love there is. John says, those who are loved, let us love, for love comes from God. Now moving on to verse 8. Whoever does not love God does not know God, because God is love. Now this almost sounds like a test to me. If you know God, then then love will be your nature. Conversely, if you don't know him, then you can't love like that. You may be loving from time to time, we may be loving, I may be loving from time to time, like a quick shot of adrenaline, and then you return to focus on yourself. But the ongoing pursuit of love of another, the selfless and humble love, is given when we are born of him. You know, to be born as humans uh, is to come alive with, with your parents' nature strongly embedded in you. Likewise, to be born of God is to have his nature And it is to love as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit love. And the more we submit ourselves to God and allow his spirit to pervade our heart, we are changed to be more and more like him. Amen? Just an example, a short example of this is just in an expression that I've seen in some people that I've worked with over the years. I work with large churches in my business and uh, in those churches, I come across a lot of audiovisual people uh, who run very large uh, teams. Uh, an example of a, a church, a large church that has an audiovisual team of around 150 people. That's just a team. That's bigger than most churches. These people are pastors. And what I've noticed that there is a, a beautiful man uh, that at, a, at a local church near here who has been in that role of governing, of, of taking care of this audiovisual church, uh, team uh, in this large church for something like 14 years now. Now, I've seen him stay there, minister, love his people, perform the role and get all the audio stuff and all the visual stuff, or make it all happen as needed. But he loves his people. He loves his people. He's been born of God. And what's so clear about this is that I then look at the many shipwrecks and I can, shipwrecks of people that have gone through these large churches uh, and have had the skills to do all this audiovisual stuff. They've had the skills to, to, to be that person, that pastor, perhaps not a pastor in these, but like a coordinator of these audiovisual teams. And they are now shipwrecked not walking with God. Because it's almost like they ran out and in a shot of adrenaline, I'm going to do all this amazing stuff and then they get burnt out in the process because they can't love the body of Christ because they don't know the love themselves. And that's kind of what it's like here. My, my brother that has been in this position for 14 years, 
His number one focus is on the people that he is leading, not on the tasks they are doing. His number one focus is on nurturing the love of God within his own life so he can love those around him. Like this is just super important. This is super important that a person would, would if we are in love, if we are within the church and if we are, we are operating together in this way, that it is love, the love of God that flows out of us, not just an excited kind of excitement, running out, doing something that is good and then running back because we've got to you know, somehow conjure up the next event. God is love. And when we are born of him, that love flows through and out of us. This love is not perfected in this life uh, on this side of eternity. Though it may not be perfect, but it must be present. And it should be growing. You can't truly grow in your experience of God without growing your love for one another. And John, that's why he can boldly say, he who does not love does not know God. If there isn't real love for God's people in your life, then your claim to know God and experience God just isn't true. That's super challenging to me. Moving on into verse 9 and 10 and 11. So how do we know we have this love? Ultimately, it's because he showed us. That's what these verses say. Verse 9 says, He sent his Son into the world that we might live in him. Thank you, Lord, for sending your Son into this world. God shows us that his love is, is not just a sacrifice, but it's a giving love. God's love is not, not only defined by the sacrifice of Jesus, uh, it's also defined by the giving of the Father. And what's that verse that we all learn first? John 3.16. We can recite it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, God so loved the world that he gave. Amen? He gave. And it was a sacrifice, of course, for the Father to send his Son. And, and for, it was a sacrifice to pour out the judgment that we deserved on Jesus. It was just out of this world what he did. Out of his love for us, the Father allowed the Son to take on wrath. You know, I love my son, but I'm not sure that I would ever be willing to let any harm to come to him like that, like the way that God allowed the wrath of mankind to come on him. Verse 10 goes on to give us a definition of love. It says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that... He took action and he sent his son first as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then in verse 11, because, because of how he proved his love for us, therefore the response that we have is to love one another. Now it dawned on me yesterday as I was preparing this word uh, that, oh, you know what? John, who wrote First John, obviously, John would have been there when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. John would have been there. The guy who's writing this stuff, all about love and all about the church, 
uh, all about loving one another, he would have been there in the room when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. So he watched as Jesus laid down his life and loved others. He received a pattern from God of giving to others because he saw it in Jesus. What I would like to do now is just take a moment to read this unbelievable demonstration of, the, of King Jesus. King Jesus showing love in perhaps the most vulnerable and humble way. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to imagine yourself sitting at the table dining with Jesus. This is taken from John chapter 13. It's not going to be up on the screen. Just close your eyes and imagine it. Imagine you are... Your feet are as dirty as a first century Jew walking through the dusty paths of Jerusalem in open-toed sandals. Yeah, perhaps it was normal to have your feet washed, perhaps by servants, but not by the Son of God. And this is the story. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal He took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. He took the position of a servant. Just imagine that. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet. Imagine you're sitting there. He's coming round to you. Drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And then he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realise now what I am doing but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Jesus was saying, unless I serve you in this way and you understand what it's like in the kind of community that I live with the Father and the Holy Spirit, you can't understand the kind of community that I am creating. And Simon Peter replied, Then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only, need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he had said, 
Not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, served them. He put on his clothes and he returned to his place. And he said, Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For the example that you set and the depiction of the way that you love and the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit operate together. And that is the kind of way that you seek for us as the church to love one another. You see, God is he's wanting to demonstrate that love for us, the depth of that love by this act. Jesus is the king who served. He is the respected teacher who let go of all prestige to put another before himself. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords who humbled himself to wash his feet, wash his disciples' feet, dirty and smelly feet. People of God here at Clayton Church of Christ, this love is groundbreaking and it is so humbling. Amen? Amen. When Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, he showed such great love and servanthood to them. We might have expected him to conclude by saying something like uh, gesturing to his own feet and asking them, to wash his own feet. But instead he said, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash another's feet, one another's feet. Therefore, the proper way to love God in response to his love for us is to go out to love one another. And this is what the people of the, the light look like. Amen? The people of the light look like this. In a moment we're going to watch a video of some great examples of this, of our church loving with this kind of action. Elizabeth is a dear member of our congregation who experienced the love of God through the body of Christ right here in this church. And Jim is a man who has become a very dear friend of our church 
as he experienced the love of God from each of you when he was in desperate need. We're going to watch their stories, but I'm just going to ask this. We're just going to spend a moment just to pause. Let the Holy Spirit speak. And really settle this word in our heart. Lord, we want to be like you. We don't want to just be like you. We want to operate and dance and move around at the way that the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, love one another and serve one another. Laying their lives down, loving, humbly, seeking the good of the other, communicating, speaking your word. Lord, may we be as a church that kind of body operating in humility serving as powerfully as we can in our gifts empowered by the Holy Spirit and then with all humility and all submission to one another loving one another just the way that you loved us by washing our feet figuratively And Lord, we realise in this place we're talking about our community at the moment in the Love Loud series, but ultimately if the inside of the church does not look like the way that you operate in God being love, then there is no use us representing you to our world. Lord, make us like yourselves. Make us like you. Have your way in us, the church. Move in power in this place as we seek to serve one another and as we seek to be a city on a hill, a light on a hill, loving one another around us. May we be the very fragrance of Christ. Amen.